Come be part of the conversations that happen around my kitchen table. He's John Brannion, and he's been a stand-up comic for more than 30 years. She's Amanda McKinney, and she's been my daughter for her whole life. Our family believes laughter is a gift from God. We often discover it while discussing culture, faith, and family. So go ahead and pull up a chair, neighbor. Can I call you Carl? There's plenty of room here for you. All right. There we go. Wasn't that great? <laughs> Wasn't that great, Carl? <laughs> Isn't it still it's still great. We still, it's the music still is great. still great. Very, very subtly under the background, we think. Yeah, we don't hear. Uh, <laughs> we're not listening to our monitor. Why are we doing this now? Because we, because we don't have any other time we to do it. We have to go to the orchard tomorrow. There, mm-hmm. theme song's off. We think. Okay. Well, Tabby's We're going here. We're to the orchard tomorrow and we don't have time to record. And somebody forgot the headphones, so we can't actually hear what we're doing. Somebody also forgot the mic stand. And so I'm <laughs> literally holding the microphone. It doesn't bother me as much. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is what happens when we go at night, when we go later at night and record the podcast is... Is Little Miss, everything needs to be organized and we're not just going to slapdash this together. It becomes punchy. And, the and headphones thing's a little inconvenient, but the microphone stand part <laughs> doesn't, bother doesn't you. concern me. No, because you have a mic stand. We've just made fools of ourselves for about 45 minutes now. So Everybody's a little punchy, Carl. But I just got back from Texas and I did a show. And it was a small show. And from what I understand, there were some other comics who were offered to do this show, but they turned it down because they were intimidated by the size of the audience. Oh, the small size. The of smallness the of the audience, right. Yeah. They were like, well, you don't mean I don't mean they wanna... were like, oh, I don't think I can handle a 10,000 person room. No, no, no. Well, that's the thing that uh, many people don't understand is like if there's 10,000 people, that's much easier than 10 people. Mm, yeah. Yes yeah. and no. Yes. Yes. Well, yes and yes. 10, Not yes and no. 10,000 has its own stresses because you can't hear people laughing in the room that big. Right, but in a room that big, the odds are that there's going to be at least one or two people who really like what you're you doing. You can't hear them, though. You don't get the feedback. Don't act like I made this up. You're the one who told me that actually going in a, a giant stadium the perfect is not size, good for Yes, it's like, it's like having an empty room. The perfect size is between two and 500 people. 200. Between 200, two, 200 and, 500. and 500 people, right? Not, not two. two and 500. Between 200 people and 500 the, the people. The perfect size is somewhere between two and 500, but 200, closer to the 500 size. 200 to 350 <laughs> is about... <laughs> 200 to 350 is the right size. Mm-hmm. As long as it's in a room that seats about that many people. Right. And doesn't have a super high ceiling like a cathedral. Right. And that's, that's what you want. You want that as the perfect size but there are there are seasoned comedians who are intimidated by a crowd of 15 right. which is about what i did in this little banquet hall in a hotel yeah and uh and it was and it was, fine. It was interesting it was it was it was fine it was Good. fine all you have to do is you change up your 
your style. You you don't. It, it, the mis- you mean you don't pretend like you're teaching ten thousand? No, that's see, that's the <laughs> thing that I was told. That's what I was told early on. It's like doesn't matter how few people are there. You act like the room has got a thousand people really? in it. Yeah, that's what they said. Yeah, somebody and that. Uh, somebody that that was the common wisdom that I was passed on when I was working in the club. It's like even if there's only four people there, you act like the room is okay. full. I feel and like that could be a bit though. Like, could you go up in front work. of fifteen people and be like, "I was told that I should pretend <laughs> like this room has right. eighteen hundred people right. in it," and then do the Everybody, rest please of the quiet show. down, <laughs> stop, stop, <laughs> sit down, sit down. You stop. jump up on a soapbox and start stop shouting everybody. At them. Everybody stop. We're never going to get this show started if you don't calm down. And those six hapless people are just looking back and forth at each other. That would work. Mm -hmm. It would. It would. See, I know things. You do know things. (laughs) About comedy. Except. (laughs) (laughs) I know comedy things. I know comedy things. But I don't know to bring headphones. Yes. And well, mic stands. I do know that it probably would have been better if I had brought the headphones. It would have definitely been better for me if you'd have brought a mic stand too, because I'm hunched over the table, <laughs> holding it up to my face. We could, we could try to. Tabby said, "First world Tabby's problems." getting no sympathy, <laughs> giving no sympathy. At least you have a microphone. You know, children in Africa don't. Have <laughs> you microphones. know, there are people podcasting in the world who don't have Some microphones. People are scrounging around in the trash for their microphones every day. <laughs> There are people, there are people trying to record podcasts without any equipment at all. Think about them. It doesn't work. <laughs> they have no internet connection. So they have no electronics. That reminds me of um, a statement that I heard Doug Wilson make that I thought that was does? really well. What we were talking about about audience size, mm-hmm. uh, and I brought it up to Luke the other day because I, I don't even remember why I was talking to Luke, the podcast ninja. And, and you don't remember why you were talking to him? I know why I was talking to him. because he was Because you're married to him. He was in the same vehicle as I was. I thought it'd be rude if we just sat there without saying anything. Um, what He brought it up as far as like different tones. He said, you know, you have to have a different tone of voice. But then he kind of mm-hmm. made it sound like he thought that that was sort of a bad thing, that you change your tone of voice or you change your style for You change your style, it becomes more conversational. It becomes less about moving from bit to bit to bit and yeah. keeping the energy going and more about uh, simulating a conversation. Well, right, but, but what I'm saying is that Doug Wilson has noted that he is, in fact, a different person when he does one-on-one counseling, for example, or when he has somebody over for dinner at his home. Mm-hmm. He's a different person than when he's online during the month of November blogging. Which is when it's no quarter November. No quarter November, taking right. no prisoners, you know, just kind of being provocative. And people are like, right. you're just being intentionally provocative. And he's like, yes, I am, because this is the internet and the blog is its own thing. And he and mm-hmm. people will be like, well, you would never talk like that if you had a person, you know, come visit as a visitor at your right, church. That's and true. he's like, right. I wouldn't do that if right. somebody because visited. it's a different format and it's an entirely different conversation. Right. Yeah. So, well, um, that it is. It is similar. Well, Marzi. <laughs> but the uh, but hello. There she is. Hello. Marcy say hello. Marcy say welcome all ten thousand of you. Say it. Welcome all thousand of you. Ten thousand of you. Yeah. They're all here for you, Mars. They're all here. Hi. 
for the Marcy really show. That's going to be. That's loud, although I can't yeah. hear it. No. Okay, that's all. We're all done. All right. I can't hear it, but I'm pretty sure it was loud. The uh, the thing that's absolutely true is that whether you're writing, whether you're doing a speech, whether you're preaching a sermon, whether you're addressing a, uh, you know, a crowd, unless you're sitting with close friends and family members in a informal setting, then you're not yourself ever, ever. Any sort of public, any sort of public presentation but is the going way that to be you phrase that a I'm different. Take an issue with you said you're not yourself, and that really bugs people in my generation, especially. Like authenticity is such a huge thing. Right, people but, feel like they're lying or they're being, you know, un dishonest when they aren't themselves, and then they have to decide: Am I really, truly, deep down in my soul? Am I the guy? who's shouting to a room full of 10,000 people? Or am I really the guy who's kind of talking a little bit more softly in my living room to one or two guests? Mm-hmm. And that's what I appreciated about Doug Wilson pointing out that you actually can be both of those people and it would be inappropriate to whisper in a cathedral and it would be inappropriate to shout in a living room. Right. I didn't say, I wasn't disagreeing with Doug. You said, you, you said it's impossible to be yourself. Is what you said. I said it's impossible to be yourself when you are publicly doing something, whether you're writing something or whether you are. It, it's okay. I know what you're going to say. You see what I'm saying? You're not being you. Your yourself is. It's a different version. Yes. It's a different version because you are communicating in it to. It's it's a different circumstance. You are. You're always on guard when you're doing anything publicly and you're always, and I think Doug would, I think Doug has said this before that you, you pick words specifically. You have time to think about stuff when you're writing, for example, and you, and you select words um, because of the impact that they're going to have because of the, of of the way that they're going to affect the listeners. No, it's actually appropriate for you to shout on Mm -hmm. the internet. It's appropriate for you to be a little brash. It's it's appropriate to be kind of edgy. And that's not being inauthentic. It's not being not yourself, you know, not being untrue yourself. Right. But you're not being, you're not being the person who is, uh, what's, what's the word? You're not your you're not at your most open and um, conversational. You right. are. You you take charge when you have the microphone or when you're writing something. You you take charge and you decide the direction that the conversation is going to go and you take it in that direction. And if you if you don't, or if you let somebody derail you and tell you that you're not taking this in the direction that you ought to be taking it, you don't have the right tone. That's when <clears throat> that's when you become ineffective as a speaker and a communicator because now you're no longer communicating what you have researched and thought about and written about. Right. Now you're just pandering to the the thoughtless mob. Right, but I think people struggle with it because to use Luke's term when we talked about this issue he said you feel like you're two-faced or you feel like mm-hmm. you're you know mm-hmm. yeah not being true to yourself and well, it's like no it's actually you who has to decide when and where you use particular styles well, and you said right. publicly you wouldn't usually be as um oh now i don't remember what you what phrase you used just now but you said basically in public you'd be more careful 
essentially was what you were trying to say? Well, it depends on the circumstances. If I'm yes. doing if I'm doing stand up, I've got material that is sharpened and honed most of the time to to say a particular thing and I don't mess around with those words very often. Right. I, no, I uh, would say, say online, them just the way they are. There are a lot of people who are like, oh, the more people that you've got in a room, the more you need to tiptoe or the more you need yeah, to be careful. Yeah. And I don't think that's true. I think I think the internet is its own place and you have to learn the rules of the internet. And online the rule is you have to be current and relevant and loud. Well I think the point that you're that you're Trying to make... What did I, bet, I just do? I bet that was loud. What did I just do? It's good we can't hear that. Um, I think the point you're trying to make... <laughs> <laughs> thank goodness we don't have headphones on. <laughs> thank goodness Carl's the only one who's this having his ears our, blown out. <laughs> saves our hearing. Sorry about your ears, Carl. Uh, I think the point that you're um, making is that people as a... Uh, the The... the Groups of people, audiences of people, have started taking um, performances, public performances, uh, whether they're stand-up, whether it's a it's speech, a sermon, uh, whatever. They've taken those public performances and tried to interpret them as one-on-one conversations. Right. Yeah. And that's why they are perpetually offended yeah. because they're they have forgotten or they've or they just don't know that the person speaking to a mass of people even if it's even if it's just a small crowd of people yeah. that's even different that's people. different than talking face to face with a person right. um, who who there's no doubt that you're talking to them right. there's no doubt that I'm talking to you right <laughs> and now and Carl and Carl yeah. but but if there were if there were 50 people in the room and I was talking to the group of 50 people, right. it would be incorrect to, to be offended by what I'm saying to those 50 people right. as if I was saying it directly to you as we sit across the table. Yeah, it's like talking to the television, literally. People are talking mm-hmm. to their phones now, and they're like saying, hey, that wasn't very nice, or right. how dare you? How dare you say such a thing? And it's like, well, I didn't even know you exist. I still don't know right. that you exist. I right, wasn't I wasn't talking, talking to, you. to you. I don't even know who you are. Right. I wasn't talking to you. But we've talked about this before, that there is a old adage that says, if the shoe fits, wear it. Yes. And that has become one of the cornerstones of, of what I write and what I speak about, because I honestly don't know exactly who i'm talking to um i may have a person in mind to be perfectly honest i sometimes get inspired by things that individual people have said and i will respond to those individual people but rarely when i'm being critical do i call that person out by name um i just write because their name doesn't matter what matters is the idea that i'm addressing right because there are others Right. Don't be don't be so selfish and narcissistic as to think you're the only idiot we've ever met. Right, we've we know lots of idiots, <laughs> and some of the idiots are even more idiotic than you. And so to presume that you are so much of an idiot that it warrants my time is pretty yeah pretty arrogant. Right. I've well, got I've got a lot of bigger idiots that I spend my time thinking right. about. That's the that's the reasoning the philosophy behind Carlina and we've talked about Carlina many 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 times. It's never even the same person. We just use the same name whenever right. we refer to. It's basically an anonymous 
person who did an anonymous thing, but we we bothered to bring the story up at all because we were pretty confident there will be other people across the country who are going to go. I know, know who you're talking hey, I've about. I've seen this happen in my yeah. own life with a different set of you right. know, individuals. Right, and if you, it, I have. Um, never struggled i can't remember a time where i struggled maybe maybe when i was younger but i I can't remember when i was listening to somebody be critical of a group of people like for example when the teacher would come in and scold the classroom for you know you guys have started you have not turned in your homework and you blah 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 i remember going she's not talking to me Right. Because I don't fall. I did turn I'm, I'm in my not, homework. yeah, I'm not one of the ones who's guilty of the criticisms that she is rendering. You guys, you've got, there's too much gum chewing going on in this class. And I'm like, okay, she's not talking to me because I'm not chewing gum. I never have chewed gum. Right. But there are people who get offended when they feel scolded by somebody or criticized by somebody for something that they didn't do. And it's because they don't know the adage, you know, these are not your shoes. So quit trying to quit trying to wear them. Well, in most cases, though, actually, they are their shoes. They just don't want to wear them. Like, well, I think but that's, that's the problem because you because there's another adage that's one of my favorites. Um, if there's a pack of dogs fighting, you toss a you rock, throw in a rock into a pack of dogs. Yeah. And the one, the that, one yelps, that yelps is the one that, that got, got hit. hit. And I've actually said that to people who've shown up before on social media with like basically carrying a sign and saying, this is about me, you know, yeah. I'm mad. Yeah, well, that's another, <laughs> that's another truism. If somebody, if I'm writing, yeah, and that's true. If I, if I write something that's critical of a particular idea or whatever, and somebody shows up in the comment section and starts yelling at me about it, then they're basically outing themselves. Right. They're basically just going, hey, you're talking about there me. There have been dozens of examples, but the one in particular I remember is when you were talking about Christians who support abortion, like Christians who are in favor of mm-hmm. abortion or provide cover for women who get abortions. Right. And it was like very specific. Like your post was very critical. Like you cannot su- be supportive of abortion if you're a Christian. And somebody down in the comments who identifies as a Christian was like, you know, John, you and your tone all the time, you just can't be loving ever. You're just always so critical. And it's right. like, wait a minute. Do you think that abortion is okay? Right. And she was like, "Oh no, I I would I never, would never get, ha- an abortion get one or, myself." You know, I mean, right. my my daughters and I would never get an abortion. It's like, well, that doesn't answer the question. No, and it the doesn't. fact that you're here at all with your panties in a knot is telling. Like, it tells us really everything we need to know. It tells me that I hit that dog with a rock. <laughs> she started yelping. Jesus would never call any woman a dog. Uh-huh. That would never happen. Well, I, I, I. I think that there are a lot of people and I think it's a, it's a growing number of people because this is another generational thing. You've got people who didn't understand this concept, raising children who are now raising children. And so there's several levels of people who just do not understand how to listen to somebody, uh, be critical of something or even not necessarily be critical, but just be assertive and somewhat forceful and confident in what they're saying. Yes. Just confidence itself is offensive to a lot of people. Yes. Saying anything with a declarative like period at the end of your statement mm-hmm. is offensive. Yeah. And so those people, I, I don't think are, are happy people. And I don't think that they are, um, I, I don't think that they have a lot of, 
confidence and I don't think they have a lot of clarity about their own thoughts because they're not they're, they're well, not they they're have... not reacting to the ideas that are being expressed they're they're right. reacting based on the feelings that they have which are which are negative they're anxious they feel they feel stupid they feel like they're being attacked they're, there's all sorts of there things are a lot of people that are who don't have their own opinions actually you'd be surprised with how much offense is thrown around but they they aren't trying to express their own opinions. Right. They're just they're just mad because I have an opinion. Well, they cuz they spend all their time trying to just say words and then gauge what the other person thinks about those words. Mm-hmm. And if the other person's happy, then that means that the person speaking that is the words a were good, good. Person, they're doing right. a good job. And if the person right. gets upset, well then you've been offensive and therefore you have not been Christ-like. So yeah, they don't they don't actually worry about trying to express a thought. Which is something, by the way, that I'm working on with my older two kids a lot. Helping lately. them express their thoughts. Yeah, well, specifically writing their thoughts because it's a it's one thing to think when we tend to think in sort of these generic clouds of you know mushed mm-hmm. up ideas. Right. But when you we think decide, in sentence fragments, I said this very thing to nine year old Colin just this morning. I said, "Buddy, when you can find a way to translate your thoughts into English words, so that then I can read them." and understand the same thoughts that you're having, that's going to be a, a huge key unlocking yep. you know, your future. I, I specifically said, I'm curious what makes you so excited about like the fantasy Star Wars battles you have in your brain all the time. Mm-hmm. And I said, if you want to spend today, today is Friday and it's a writing day. And I said, you can do your copy work, which you hate to do. That's <laughs> penmanship where he has to copy Bible verses and things. You can do some of that. But if you want to have half of your writing be actually composition, I would support that. And I said, that's where you write stories being or whatever. As how, being as how your writer mother would love to see you do some compositions. I would be happy to help you put your thoughts onto paper because it's a skill that's very important to our whole family. And because I think it will help him as as emotional as he is. It will help him process his emotions too. If he spends, if he learns how to spend some time thinking about them and expressing them. He was like, what would happen if I said star Wars? And I said, you mean if you said you wanted to write about star Wars and he goes, yeah. And I was like, I would say write about Star Wars. And he was shocked. He looked at me like, he expected, that's so loud. He expected you to bring the hammer down on Star Wars. And he was like, but but there's already a Star Wars. And I think he might have sort of been asking about copyright issues. Like he was he asking was about plagiarism. Yes. He doesn't know that word. But he <laughs> right. was like, can I copy it? What if I copy Star Wars? So what I will you do? <laughs> well, I, I then We won't tell George him. Lucas. We'll keep that to ourselves. I introduced him to the concept of fan fiction. I said, you know, there's a thing called fan fiction where people who really, really like a concept or a universe of mm-hmm. characters borrows those characters and just tells other stories. That tell they, other stories. They yeah. think. They usually not do. All of them are not bad. all of them are bad. Some people are good at it, and and the more you do it, the better you get at it. So, <laughs> Tabby, Tabby, don't be so critical. You're right. Not all of them. I actually do quite a bit of fan fiction, but that's how I know eighty-five percent of them are just. Yeah. I remember having, and I just thought about this when Tabby said they're terrible stories. I remember. When I was doing was doing stand up, and it was fairly early in my stand up career, I hadn't been I hadn't been doing it very long, but I got a call from a guy who was one of my best friends in high school, and I hadn't talked to him for like ten years. And uh, this is one of the most sarcastic guys that I've ever known in my life, and it's part of the reason we got along so well because I thought he was hilarious in high school. So he calls me up. We haven't spoken for ten years, 
And uh, so, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. What are you doing? Where do you live? All we got all that stuff. And then I said, uh, oh, yeah, I started doing stand-up comedy. And there's a pause. And he goes, I bet you suck. <laughs> <laughs> and that was after 10 years. <laughs> I bet you suck. <laughs> Terrible. Uh, well, and it made, me, it made me laugh, which is what he was trying to do. But there is a... Uh, there are a group of people who would find that not only not funny, but they would be horrified that you would say that to, you know, a person who you supposedly care about. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's how, that's kind of how we communicate in this family. Well, yeah. Not sure that that's the greatest example when I'm trying to teach Colin how to express. Hey, it's just the idea that went through my head. I'm just, I'm just stream of consciousness here. This part on the podcast where you then explain what he meant, where you translate and interpret what he meant by that. What he meant was, that's pretty cool, John. That's cool, John. And I want to make you laugh right now. Because if I can make a comedian laugh, then that makes me feel good. So I'm going to insult you. When he said, I bet you suck, that was his way of saying, that's pretty cool. I support you in that. It takes a lot of words (laughs) to say it that way, which is why Colin would rather just say, you know, oh, this Carl hasn't heard this, I don't think. The other day I asked him to write on the prompt, if I were a Harry Potter wizard, or yeah. if I were a wizard uh, from Harry Potter. Right. That was what I tried last week with Colin. I hadn't explained fan fiction yet. Maybe that was the issue. <laughs> but I come back after like 10 minutes, and he's written on his paper, if I were a wizard from Harry Potter, dot, 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 nah, <laughs> never mind. And then he wrote and about he Star Wars. To, no, it wasn't even Star Wars. If it had been Star Wars, I would have accepted that too. He, he's been journaling, and so he was just writing, today I you know, went to the park and I finished my school and I brushed right. my teeth. And right. But yeah. he wasn't, he wasn't motivated to write about your Didn't like Harry Potter. Yeah. Prompt. But what I'm saying is that for him, <laughs> it's not that he's short on thoughts or things to express. He just prefers to take the shortest number of words possible. See you tabs. Bye tab. Thanks for ruining our podcast. You're welcome. Every time you want my kids to yell and break some people's eardrums. She did. Marcy. <laughs> Marcy was right up in the mic, but it's it's great. She had that look on her face. I knew what she was going to do when she popped up. She had the. Mm-hmm. I did. She I did. Said, I I said I knew as soon as she sat here. I was like, "Here comes Marcy." Dad acted like he was just going to keep talking, and I was like, "No, you're not going to be able to keep Carl. talking. You're going to have warn to warn him. There's a kid right here. <laughs> you have to let Marcy say something. <laughs> going to get loud. Marcy's been interrupting this podcast since she was like three weeks old. Yep. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye. There goes Tabby. Well, there she goes. At any rate, I don't know. I was gonna, I was gonna mention that you wrote about dress codes this week, but then I remembered the reason you wrote about dress codes was because we talked about that last week, didn't we? No. We didn't. No. We didn't talk about that. No, that that came up early, early, early last week after the podcast had already come out. No. Yeah. No. We did not talk about dress codes last week. I'm nearly sure that we did because, hang on, because I wrote my blog post with the screenshots that I read on last week's podcast mm. because we were talking about uh, feminist. Yeah, but I don't remember speaking about dress codes. It was right at the end. Okay. But anyway, well, we could talk about it again. We could talk about that. I was going to, I wanted to talk about what, what I actually wanted to talk about does sort of align with what we've already talked about and that is that we got a uh, 
a potential offer to go do a show huh? in a state. We don't have it yet. The show that we got offered, but we, but you and I actually had to talk about it, which never happens. The Peaches, oh. the Peaches has complete authority to book me to do whatever. And she called me and said, we have to talk about this show. And so I knew something going down. Something, <laughs> something is happening. Well, because the you... Peaches is asking what she should do with this contract. Because if I was solely responsible for all of your income I would probably still go, yeah, I, we'll just take it because it's money. But now that you don't need to take comedy gigs because mm-hmm. you've got a day job, Carl knows you got about your day another, job. Another day job. Um, yep. I was like, we can be more picky. So I was, I was curious what your priorities are now that you are more comfortable. Right. You know. Well, and the truth, truth be told, I would be, I, I would l- like to take this show because. <laughs> Because you like controversy. I do. I, I, it's not so much that I like controversy. It's just that I have, and I've thought about this a lot over the last few days. Um, what's my, what's my role? What is, what is, what is it that I am supposed to do? Am I the guy who's supposed to go up and do what he's told to do and to follow the rules and color in the lines, even though the picture that I'm being asked to color is wrong and it's and it's a bad picture am i supposed to do that i don't think i am why because there's a lot of comedians that'll do that there are many many comics who are like well you know what it's a gig and they will make sort of rationalizations i'm not saying that this is incorrect but they'll say well you know it's a contract and if this is what the customer wants me to do then that's what i'm going to do and that'll be the end of it but that's not me i'm the guy who uh because this is a it's a Christian organization. And I don't even know. There, no, we don't know all. Of, don't we don't know, know any details. Any details all we know. All so worried about. Offending. Just tell Carl what we what we were told. What do we know? I was told that there's a gig that's up for grabs. We're not even going to email about it because we don't want a paper trail. Right. That could con- that could somehow that could somehow lead back to something later. Right. But there is some, there's a church somewhere in the country mm-hmm. that wants to have a comedian come out for some event. I don't even know the event. I don't know the date. Nope. Uh, I just know that it's, that they have seen, seen they've seen your dry bar special. Right. At the beginning, you said some stuff about men and women being very different mm-hmm. and that it's hilarious because God thinks men and women are going to somehow get along in marriage when mm-hmm. he made them very different. And that was offensive and now they're worried because they have a couple they have a few homosexual couples in their congregation and they don't want you to do marriage material they don't want me to do marriage material because i might offend the homosexuals who maybe. may be in the audience possibly and yeah and, and and it's been a literal game of telephone at this point because right. a lot of shows are this way where you've got you know the assistant to the person who's booking and then the the person who originally wanted to make the phone call to you and then they reach out to maybe an organization that has a whole bunch of comedians that they right. you know ha- keep in their pipeline so then they reach out to me and then i call you right so there's at least at least two layers there's several people that are often involved and then a lot of times the person who writes the check is not the person who books the show and then Correct. the person who who earns money from the gig is you know you plus your agent, that's me, plus mm-hmm. whoever got the finder's fee, and, right. you know, that kind of thing. So there's, it's hard to know where the stupidity starts, to be fair. Right. We don't know enough to be able to say who 
And again, it doesn't matter who. The names are not important. What's, what's important is the concept, is the idea. Right. And so what we have here is a very familiar scenario where you have somebody who doesn't understand how comedy works trying to dictate to the person who does understand how comedy works what they should do in order to make comedy work in their scenario. Right. So this is a person who mistakenly believes that he or she, whoever it is, can correctly interpret the temperature of an entire audience of people. Right. You've got a few homosexuals in an audience, maybe. I mean, I don't even know. But let's say that they let's say that we do. Is it is it correct? Is this person going to divine through what uh, some sort of telepathy or something? What will happen if I talk about men and women being different, like I do in the dry bar episode? That that's that that's going to deeply offend these homosexuals. I think that that person is out of touch. Is out of touch. <laughs> I think they're completely wrong. Do you are are there really homosexual couples out there that are not aware of the fact that? that most couples are heterosexual <laughs> and that, and that men and women are in fact different from each other in, in some very basic ways. Are, right. are there, are there homosexuals out there that are just not ready for that earth shattering revelation? Um, no, well, I, I don't think there are half of your set these days is about how we're too easily offended and everybody's so, so careful, mm -hmm. you know, so tolerant that we hate each other's guts, all of that stuff. Like you've actually written jokes about this, hoping to kind of sneak some truth past the thick skulls of those who are the gatekeepers yeah. Yeah. and they just don't get it. Like you could even point blank say, Hey, if you're offended about that, you might want to check out these other clips and these blog posts that you've right. written because you're guaranteed to be offended about that too. Oh my gosh. Well, the thing is, what what's funny, what's funny about it to me is that the stuff that they're saying, oh, we, we want to we don't want him to do this. I'm like, okay, I hope I get the gig because I won't do that material. I've got infinitely more offensive material. Yeah, but that's but but what we're now at, the phase we're now at is I said, all right, we'll take this show. You know, why not? We can guarantee we won't do that bit and nothing with the e-cigarette. Because mm -hmm. the e-cigarette's also offensive. Right, which and I don't do that bit anymore anyway. You don't do I said that. I said he doesn't do it anymore because probably half the people in that congregation actually, actually own an e-cig. Actually use, use own vapes. And yeah, vape. and but see, and that's it. Why? I know how comedy works and they don't. It's so. not going to be funny anymore because, you know, people are not offended by it. They actually use it in their everyday life. Right. But, but I said that. And that's, a, that's a conversation I had a few years ago when I first started using it with another Christian comedian who said, you can't smoke in church. And I said, well, I'm not smoking. Well, it looks like you're smoking in church, and that's a perception. It is wrong. You wouldn't, you wouldn't ever do that in my church because smoking is. And I said to this person, I said, do you understand? I said, what's wrong with you? That's why it's funny. The reason it's funny is because it is, it's out of place in church. And, and the moment that vaping becomes a thing that we do in church, I won't be able to do that bit anymore. And here we are a few yeah. years later, and I'm not doing the bit well, because, because people vape. But what I'm saying is that now uh, the church, somebody, some group of people perhaps at the church mm. are, are reviewing other videos of yours at the behest of another middleman somewhere who was like, you know, you've only seen the one video. So here's your opportunity to look at three or four others. And, yeah. Good luck and to them. Make a, a call on that. Good luck to them. So finding all of my offensive material, but uh, peaches and I talked about it. And the truth is 
I don't have to intentionally offend these people. I will offend them right. if they are this sensitive about just talking about well, no, the differences between men and women. More importantly, you probably won't offend the audience. Like you said, the actual audience. No. You have more experience talking to an audience and trying to make them laugh than anybody at any church who's trying to book a show. Right. But what we have here is pride. Mm-hmm. We have a person who's prideful of their ministry. They see you as being, yes, you're the expert in funny things. You're the expert in comedy. But, but I'm we're the, the experts expert in ministry. In bringing in and retaining homosexual couples. And That's what they think. Yeah. And they actually well, they think, might be. They actually think that their job trumps yours. And the truth is that actually com- comedy has more universal appeal than some hiply painted worship center filling a a worship center with homosexuals in an ugly church building somewhere well i i that's but that's the part that offends me so if we're going to talk about you know who do we care about offending i am offended by the idea that this person is basically obliterating this event for everybody in the audience this person has set themselves up as the dictator of all things funny, and they're going to potentially ruin the show for everybody, including the homosexuals. The term is gatekeeper, and we need to use that liberally. Uh, The term is gatekeeper. It's almost always two or three people, max, who are upset about a thing and thinking that they're in charge, and they always do it for what they tell themselves are noble reasons. Oh, because we're ministering. Oh, we're trying to make this a welcoming. We're trying to keep them here in the church so we can reach them. We can reach them for the gospel. Right, with the gospel. Or it wasn't a church. I also heard a story over the course of the last few days talking about this particular event where a different comedian, not you, was working an art something or another, something to do with like an art, a bunch of art curators, or there was a museum or something that was having an event that had to do with art. And he made some offhanded joke about a politician in the area. Mm. And the, the audience cracked up. They loved it. They thought mm-hmm. it was hysterical. And the next day, the Got person an email. who cut the check, who actually brought the comedian in, had a problem with it. Mm-hmm. And that's the those are the people who get, you know, all of the attention. Those are the people who end up controlling the entire show for everybody there because of their own personal sensibilities and but they're convinced you cannot convince them that they're the only ones you can't they think they speak for just right everything. they think they speak to the majority yeah yeah well um they don't and we've seen it before and there have been a few times not many but a few times in the past where we have told clients uh go find somebody else right because you're not going to be happy with us right and they and at least one time that I know of, they said, oh, no, no, no. And then they would back down. And they're like, no, we want you to come. We just, and then, and then I never heard another word about it. You know, they mm-hmm. were, they didn't, they That's didn't say anything after. I'm, but there was, there was a time when, when uh, a couple of times where they said, yeah, we will just, we probably should find somebody else. And then I think what they do is they just don't even go with comedy. I think they just bring in a better. guitar player. And I think I even suggested that to one of them. I said, you, what you really should do is just bring in a musician yeah. um, and put them in the corner and let them play background music because so it wasn't that a probably, church, apparently. probably won't offend anybody. But I don't know. I'm not gay. That might, that might upset a few of the homosexuals, too. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? That's the thing about sensitive people. You just never know exactly what's going to set them off. But my suspicion is that the most sensitive person is the person who's making that phone call. Right. I would, I would guess that they're 
I, I guess it's possible that there's some homosexual couples at that church who would be offended by that, but I doubt it. I don't think, I think this is that person's hang up. And I think they're, like you're saying, casting it out onto the entire rest of the Well, church. I'm getting more and more comfortable with telling people point blank, you're the problem. <laughs> like, it's calling them a gatekeeper, like I said. Really? Yeah, because... Because I can't, because you Do you said, do that to their face? You said that you're, uh, <laughs> I, I do it when I get up on the internet. I get up on my soapbox and I shout to the many millions that are out online. But but yeah, I think that, like you said, your job is to, you know, not color in the lines so much anymore. And I think mm-hmm. that, that that's sort of my job too. Just one event at a time, I can go, look, this is, you know, this is embarrassing. You should be embarrassed about yeah. this. Did we tell Carl about the event that I lost on the West Coast a few years ago that kind of got us started down this road? It was the same year that you lost one in Ohio. Mm-hmm. It was a, a pro-life event that was like that was like run by a bunch was of Catholics. Was it the same year? Yeah, it was the same year yeah. because it was but the But they same just ghosted issue. us. They, they, they just No, 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 they called. The Ohio one called. But they didn't say what the problem was. Yes, they did. I was in tears on the phone because I was so upset by this guy who was telling me, look, we agree with John. You know, we're Catholic. We're totally pro-life, too. Right. We agree with his perspective. We just don't like his tone. Right. Because, you know, you have to understand that we work with a lot of college students. And I'm like, yeah, the fact that you work with college students is precisely why you need to straighten up and get a little bit more yeah, of a backbone. Get a backbone. Yeah. And no, he was just... And stop backing away like, from the... Truth. You're still going to pay full fee because we were within a few days. That's right. That's right. I remember that. I'm thinking of a different event. To his credit, I, he called me and we talked about it. Yeah. And I could barely choke out the words because I was so mad. And I hate this about my, my tendencies too. For as long that as you I... you cry when you get mad. Yes. But yeah. When I get overwhelmed with frustration because I'm like, this is so obviously wrong. Like, yeah. it's so obviously wrong to me that I can't even do anything except Except emote cry at you like i'm i'm so mad and so like stupefied by your own blindness that i'm just well that i I can do that was not the thing i was uh, thinking about but yeah we've had several carl we've had several incidences that have sort of prepared us for this i mean this didn't this didn't happen overnight this this required uh, obviously some tears and uh, and some anger and some rage and we lost some income and uh, all of that was necessary i think to get us to the point where we are now mm-hmm. which is i i think um i think better and stronger because we we don't this doesn't hurt our feelings anymore we we, we sort of got a yeah well if if you decide that this show is not going to go, that's on you and you're the coward and you're the weakling and you're the one who's going to be, uh, who's going to be held accountable to that. Well, I think it's only to God that someday it's not us. It's clearer than ever what their strategy is rotting. Like what, what is it that's being brought about by that whole, let's go along to get along. Let's not make waves. Let's try to have a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Do we see, do we see flocks of homosexuals giving their life to Jesus as a result of all of the bending over backwards and all of the pandering and all of the, we've got uh, like 75% of college students who completely leave the faith their first, you know, Mm -hmm. year, their freshman year. And, and besides that, you've got like one out of every four children in, middle and high school who's now identifying as gay or trans or mm-hmm. something. And it's like right. 
this is this and is we your just fault. just just shut up and just let just love them just love them love them love them you know don't, don't right. bring a comedian in don't let a comedian you know make right. make fun of men and women being different because that'll push these right. people away the so person just you can control you can't control your youth group but you can control john brandon when you bring him in to do comedy so right. let's do that because that's probably going to make things better no we've had like 30 years of this now the seeker sensitive culturally you know sensitive uh, let's have a conversation with the unbelievers kind of thing. Mm-hmm. By the way, um, on oh, the Canon app, Aaron Wren gave us, well, it wasn't on the app, but it's now being hosted on the app, the speech that he gave at a conference recently about the negative world and about how we've shifted from Christianity being a positive you know, thing in the culture to then neutral to now like it's actually a strike against you it's if you caustic. go to church and you're a Christian, Toxic. a real Christian. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so he gave a speech about that and he talked about like, the different strategies that that Christians employed for evangelism over like from the seventies through now, oh gosh, and how they those have contributed to yeah. the state where we are. I remember some of them. Yeah, I remember some of the the some of the movements yes. talking about them in my little church in Laporte. I was just a kid, but I remember them talking, saying, "We're going to do this new thing." It's a and and off we went. This was the beginning of the seeker show movement. People that Jesus is cool too. That's when you like rock and roll. You should try Jesus. You should try Jesus. This is all this. This was the smile. God loves you. You know right. the smiley face and all of that. Right. Um, what I'm saying is now again to me it is as clear as can be. And if you're going to call me up and say, "Well, look, we totally agree with what he's saying. We just but, think there's a better way to say it," I'm like. You are an idiot. I mean, you're just look. There's around. probably a better way to say it than idiot. <laughs> well, literally, I either say you're an idiot or I start crying. That's mm-hmm. that's the only thing I have to do. Those are your two your two options. I'm like, there's a lady who who works with kindergartners like 20 miles from where I live, and she calls herself a non-binary teacher and is now instructing her five and six year old students to call her mix strange yeah it's yeah i saw that it's serious i mean we're really serious if you think that you can stop that from happening by telling john brandon not to do his marriage material on stage you're an idiot i don't have other words just tears that's all i got right and so far she's holding back the tears (laughs) she's doing a mighty job of maintaining her emotions okay this is gonna be fun yes but we have we're at 46 uh, we, we, minutes here, and I'm going to have to play the outro music. Well, all that without being able to hear. Uh, we can't. We still can't hear our. We still can't hear the monitor. Uh, but the uh, the the bottom line is that we, you've got to you've got to not be not be offended when when you're listening to somebody address an entire audience. Remember that that's different from when they're talking. St- straight to your face. Mm-hmm. And if you are uh, going to a church where they're worried about offending the homosexuals, um, you should go to a different church. <laughs> what if I am a homosexual? What if you are a homosexual going, to, going s- to a church that doesn't offend That's you? The not offense. I should if you're the go- non-offensive. If you're a homosexual church. and you're going to a church that does not offend you, you should go to a different church too. Because you absolutely should be feeling some conviction. I don't know how loud that music is. How loud do you think that is? <laughs> Thanks for visiting the Comedian's House. If you want to spend more time with our family, you can follow John Branion on YouTube and Facebook. Also email nextdoor at johnbranion.com with your comments and questions. We'll see you next time. 